Hello, my name is Kelly Kelly. Welcome to the NICU Now audio support series. I am a NICU parent to Jackson, a micro preemie born at 24 weeks, and Lauren, a late-term preemie born at 34 weeks. I am also the founder and executive director of Hand to Hold, a national nonprofit dedicated to providing education, resources, and peer-to-peer support to families that have experienced premature birth, the loss of a baby, or have a child with a special health care need. Hand to Hold's NICU Now audio support series was developed to help NICU parents navigate their NICU journey. As new moms, we are taught that breast is best, especially for premature babies. But we are often uneducated about the need to fortify our breast milk to meet the caloric, protein, and overall nutrition needs of our micro preemies. Joining us today is Scott Elster, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Prolacta Bioscience. Prolacta developed the first large-scale human milk processing facility in the world using state-of-the-art formulization, pasteurization, and filling processes. Prolacta formulates human milk to an exact standard to meet the needs of very low birth weight babies during the first 30 days of life. Prolacta has made it their mission to support research in the study of human milk and premature infant nutrition in order to make a difference in the lives of the most fragile premature babies. Before joining Prolacta in 2006, Scott was the Director of Operations and Supply Chain at Clinical Microsensors and worked for 13 years at Baxter where he focused on plasma products worldwide. Scott received his Bachelor of Science from California State University, Northridge, and his Master of Business from the Anderson Graduate School of Management at University of California at Los Angeles. Welcome, Scott, to the NICU Now podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Kelly. I appreciate you asking me to join you. Well, I have had the pleasure of knowing you for quite some time now. You are a huge supporter of NICU parents and NICU families. Have uh, We've had the opportunity to get to visit with each other at many conferences, including the Premier Parent Alliance Summit each year. And so I just personally want to thank you on behalf of NICU families across the country for your personal support as well as prolactus support of all these issues that impact our babies and our families. So thank you so much for all you do and being involved in this NICU community. I appreciate that. We, um, we definitely love the community we serve, starting with the babies, but certainly the families are uh, incredibly important because the care of this child comes down to a whole lot of different uh, people working together. So I appreciate your kind words, and um, I thank you for the opportunity. Well, you are definitely a thought leader in this industry, and so I wanted to start by just asking you to tell us a little bit about your decision to join Prolacta. That's really an interesting story, Kelly. When I was uh, looking uh, for for a job, I, I saw Prolacta, and I immediately said, wow, this is white plasma. And I had an experience for the 13 years previously at Baxter Healthcare where we took human blood plasma and we fractionated it, broke it apart into different components, 
and made tremendous differences in the lives of patients. Um, the hemophilia population, the um, um, primary immune deficient populations with immune globulins, albumin for volume, and I immediately thought, wow, milk, this will work. And um, we looked at the model of safety in both products, and the human plasma had had issues with um, hepatitis C being transmitted and HIV being transmitted. And so we started uh, look, thinking about milk with all of those risks in mind, and it really um, helped us establish our leadership in quality and safety moving forward. But the translation between the human milk and the human plasma um, was really almost the perfect analogy. And um, 13 years later, we're cranking away, still focused on the same uh, areas, which is absolute quality and safety of this product. And um, it, it will never stop. Safety is a journey, and we continue to add new things as technology becomes available. Well, I, I have a lot of questions to ask you, but let's just take a minute and talk about the importance of safety uh, when we're talking about human milk. Uh, you, you, so you've compared human plasma, so uh, from your background in working at Baxter, and then you're comparing it to being white plasma. So milk, of course, being white in the white plasma. And for our NICU babies, this safety components of what goes into human milk. So we know when we're in the NICU, a mother's breast milk is best, right? We want all babies to be breastfed, if at all possible, for the mother to begin pumping as early as possible and to sustain um, that breast milk production. Um, but we also know that not all NICU moms are able to breastfeed, and there are human milk banks. And um, we also know that even with the best diet and the best nutrition, that not all Nikki Mom's milk meets the requirements that has enough calories and proteins and all the things it needs to have to keep up with this baby's growth. So some of the things when we think about safety for breast milk, you know, I know as a breastfeeding mother and a pumping mom, I it certainly had to look at what medications I might have been taking during that time. You know, I had a C-section and what medications was I taking and was my milk safe? And then, of course, the intake of alcohol. Um, I'm not a smoker, but that is certainly something that we look at and safety requirements for moms who are breastfeeding. So what other things do we need to be thinking about when we're talking about the safety of the milk that's being provided? Well, you actually brought up a lot of very interesting ones. Um, there's an opioid epidemic, and um, all milk should be tested. And not just for illegal use of opioids, because generally speaking, they couldn't really get through the screen uh, when, when their medical providers consented and the baby's physicians consented. They would say, no, this probably isn't a good donor. But you mentioned C-sections. And a lot of times, if you're a high producer, the milk you produce in the first month when you're recovering from your C-section just goes into a freezer. And um, you can forget about what you did if you donate three months later. So we think testing for the opioids is hugely important. 
testing for, for nicotine is important, as well as other drugs of abuse. Now, thankfully, it very rarely comes up, uh, but it does. And nicotine comes up the most, actually. And um, we test for that, and we exclude that product. But what we, uh, the other areas of concern for us are all around um, biological contamination. Um, you know, we don't want someone that maybe has hepatitis, doesn't know about it. We don't want someone that, that is HIV positive or becomes HIV positive. And this is one of the hardest things for plasma people to transition into because in the, in the blood field, you test every single uh, unit. In milk, you test the mom and then you go uh, for four more months before you test the mom again. And that always troubled us. And we, uh, one year ago now, implemented what we call direct test of milk. So now we test every single donation for hepatitis A and B, HIV 1 and 2, HTLV 1 and 2, syphilis, and Zika virus. And to us, this was the last gap between the plasma safety standards and the milk safety standards. And we were so proud of being able to do that. But it was a matter of the technology just having to get there. And so, again, that's another example of us continuing to innovate in that space. And as you start to think about other viruses that could come uh, in the future, uh, we are prepared to add those particular tests to our direct test of milk. Um, and we will never uh, uh, reside on that. So. I am very uh, pleased with where we are. I'm very pleased with the progress we've made, but I will never be satisfied on quality. And we will continue to uh, improve the tests. And uh, as technology allows us to test for more and more, we will continue to do that. Well, I would like to go back for just a minute, Scott, because I jumped right in because I know you and I know Prolacta and I know all about what your company does. But I think I took for granted that our listeners would know that as well just from the brief introduction. So in your own words, can you tell our listeners who is Prolacta and what are you doing in that amazing space of human breast milk? Well, I'm happy to do that. Um, I actually joined Prolacta uh, a little over 12 years ago now, and uh, what we believed was important to the health of premature infants was exclusive human milk. We knew that uh, preemies on mom's milk did better than preemies on formula. Alan Lucas made that very clear in his groundbreaking research. But we also know that premature babies, babies that miss the third trimester of pregnancy, have nutritional needs that are far greater than any mom alone can produce. And so we said, we think babies might be better off if we take all cow components out of their milk and we make a concentrated human milk product that's mixed with mom's moan milk to create a human milk protein shake. 
And that's what we did. We concentrated the milk about 10 times. We added in the minerals that these babies need, calcium, phos, and uh, numerous others. And we set this up so in the hospital, they mix it with mom's milk, they swirl it, they draw it out, and they feed the baby. And it provides uh, about 20 to 30% more calories, and it provides about three times the amount of protein. And that's what babies need to really grow and thrive. Now, we didn't know if it mattered, so we did a clinical study. And in that clinical study, known as the Sullivan study, we demonstrated that necrotizing enterocolitis is significantly reduced. And that finding was um, the start of the company. And we've been continuing to do research and continuing to, to move forward, but all with a focus around the micropremie. So I want to just restate, because I know a lot of the parents that are listening, uh, babies are still in the NICU, all of this is brand new to them, and they're trying to learn and uh, digest, if you would, um, all these things they need to know about nutrition for their NICU baby. So. First of all, they're in the NICU, they have a micro preemie, and their baby's nutritional needs are exceeding what the mother's breast milk can typically provide. You're saying that our babies, in order to keep up with the rapid growth that they need to maintain, um, they need more calories and they need more protein. And um, what was the third, I believe, phosphate, is that right? They, well, they need uh, other micronutrients to help for bone development and things like that. Calcium, phosphorus, probably being the important, but there's a list of about 10 of them. Okay. So there's all these additional things that our babies need. Even if mom has the best diets, taking vitamins, doing everything she needs to do, um, even that best mom's milk is not going to be able to keep up with the requirements that her baby needs. So then the hospital, the neonatologist, the nutritionist, they are needing to supplement or, or fortify, if you will, the milk that their baby is being given. And in the past, that was always through a formula, which are bovine-based. So when we say bovine-based, that means from, from a cow base. That's where that milk is coming from. But now with Prolacta, what you looked at was how can we take human milk and add all of these things that we need to add, and therefore um, the babies, the really tiny micro babies um, we've seen are doing best if they don't have a bovine-based fortifier. And so you've done studies on this now, and you help me with the numbers because I, I frequently forget. I want to say that um, specifically on, was it 12? 50 and below, 1250 grams? Correct. That's correct. Okay. So 1250 grams and below. So one of the things I think a lot of people would be asking, I know that's one of my first questions was, hey, Scott, where's Prolacta getting all this breast milk? So tell us a little bit about how do you get this amazing breast milk and what are you doing with it once you get it? Well, I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, anytime I can uh, brag about the unbelievable generosity of, um, of moms, I want to do it. Um, and what we tend to do is get a bunch of word of mouth on donors. 
We don't really advertise, but basically it goes like this. Dad has just gone to the grocery store and he picked up some ice cream and he wanted a little something sweet because the baby's not letting him sleep and he's ready for his ice cream and he opens the freezer and it is full of breast milk and there is no room for his ice cream anywhere and the baby cannot possibly use all of that breast milk and so Dad, Dad starts to do a Google search of what do you do with excess breast milk and, and we come up and we are parents who designed this for parents and the whole goal is a mom can do everything she needs to do and never leave her living room. So in my wife's case, the bathrobe can remain on all day and she can still donate milk. And we do this by taking um, online surveys, then we have some phone conversations, and we send someone over to mom's house to do the blood draw because we still do need to do that. We will get a hold of the physicians of the baby and the mom and take all that work away from her. And then when she's ready to make her shipment, we send her a cooler with instructions and cool blocks. She puts those into her freezer and then she loads it up, puts it on her front porch, and the FedEx truck shows up. And the milk comes overnight to us. And there are thousands of these generous donors. And we uh, went from a situation when we first started where this was all donation-based. And we then looked at it and said, okay, moms are spending a lot of effort here. Is there any way we can pay them for time and, uh, and effort? And we developed 36 tests that we needed to put in place before we would do it. And it took us two and a half years. And in February of 2014, uh, we began uh, a remuneration product where moms would get paid a dollar an ounce. And that has been incredibly successful. And it's made a meaningful difference to moms. Uh, I've had moms write letters that said things like, uh, this, it always blows my mind when mommies say this, um, I feel like I'm contributing. And as a dad, I, I look at that and I just shake my head like, contributing? Are you kidding? You're, you, you carried our baby. You're feeding our baby. You're taking care of the house. You're contributing. But there's a, a real psychological element when that check comes to that mom that makes that mom feel really good and, and it matters. And so we're happy to be part of that. As a consequence, though, of all the effort we put to make it easy, moms tend to just find us. Right. Well, I want to say I've got I want to I got a lot of things to comment here because I had the opportunity to come up and visit and take a tour of the the facility and the plant and I actually like to go into the freezer. I've never felt anything that cold in my life and it was just fascinating to watch. I mean, I got to stand there and watch these coolers of milk coming off the trucks and see how it was being processed, and I got to see how uh, the requests were coming in for the coolers and how they were being sent out. And it was just 
amazing to watch from the beginning to the end. And um, there's a lot more to talk about because there's a lot that happens to that milk once it comes in and how it's being processed. But it was just so impressed with the system that is in place. And I have to say, Scott, as a uh, overproducing uh, mom, I was very blessed that I was able to produce um, milk in excess. So th- there was no way my little micro preemie could keep up with what I was pumping. But I was scared to give it away. I didn't know, will I continue to produce? So it's just, you know, what what if my milk supply stops and then I'm not going to have enough? And at what time will he need more? But it was similar to what you were saying. We uh, ran out of room in the freezer in the house. And so then we were looking at, okay, do we rent a freezer or do we buy a freezer? <laughs> and it was this big ordeal because, you know, the baby's in the NICU and my husband's gone back to work and who has time to even go buy a freezer at this point? Um, but we had some family that came and helped us and got it delivered and set up and then it was very quickly that I filled that freezer and I just couldn't even believe that, you know, just a few months later I had this freezer full of milk. Um, but at the time, I didn't have time to go and get tested, like you're talking about, do the blood test and, um, you know, do all the paperwork and everything I need to do as a donor. Um, We do have an amazing milk bank here, and I did reach out to them, and they did work with me, and I eventually was able to give, but I could have been giving a lot sooner um, had I been educated about how much milk my baby needed, how long it can stay refrigerated and then frozen and still be meet all the nutritional needs. Um, but I just, I think it's a wonderful opportunity that you're offering moms across the country and, you know, they can go on your website and learn more about being able to donate. And I do understand what you're talking about of being able to compensate them because it is a lot of work Scott it is so much work to pump and especially when you have a baby in the NICU um, there's just a lot of emotion uh, emotionally and physically you're exhausted and so knowing that that milk is going to go to help other babies and also knowing that um, there can be some financial um, you know there's so much money that is required of us when our babies are in the NICU from gas money going back and forth to the NICU uh, to, you know, having to eat in the cafeteria and then the medical bills and all the other things. So um, I do applaud you that ProLacta has been able to put together that program to, um, you know, provide that support for the breastfeeding and pumping moms. Um, So let's talk about something you said just a second ago and we kind of glazed right over, but you are a NICU dad. Um, You weren't a NICU dad when you came to ProLacta. It was several years later, but um, I believe you have twins. Is that correct? I do. I have twins and they just celebrated their seventh birthday. Uh, They were 33-week twins, so they were um, not the micro-micro preemies. They were I want to say 1,800 grams and 1,875, something like that. So they were um, totally healthy. And um, really that experience helped me uh, immeasurably in terms of um, being what I perceived to be empathetic and then really being able to be empathetic with the uh, 
uh, w with the parents and, and, and uh, you know, we learned a lot. I learned a lot in that experience. Well, I do believe um, you are empathetic and understanding much more so than many of the other, uh, you know, businessmen that we have met that support this NICU community because you have been there and you have felt it and seen it and watched, um, you know, as your twins were in the NICU. But I, I will, I'll embarrass you by saying you frequently have tears in your eyes when you hear our stories and when you're meeting all these parents. I know that it, I mean, it is heartfelt that you care about these families and you want what's best for these babies. So, again, I just thank you for that. And I'm so glad you are able to take that experience and pour what you've learned through your own personal experience into what you do every day. One of the things that really struck me, Scott, when I came um, to the company tour was seeing the pictures all around the office. I mean, there is no doubt um, what you do and why you do it. Would you just describe uh, to our listeners what would they see when they would walk in and take a tour of Prolacta? They, you know, one of the things that was important to me is, and I had this this thought, and it's um, it's goofy, and maybe you you all are too young to remember this, but in the Brady Bunch, they had stairs going up, and a lot of houses did, and then there was pictures on the stairs as the child got older and older. You could see the families growing and maturing. And so I always had this vision that what I dreamed of having was some of my preemie babies that had used our products and having pictures of them as they grew older. So from the 27-week, 900-gram uh, baby to the junior high school student. And so we have as many pictures of patients of ours around anywhere from zero to seven years old, and now there's, you know, 12-year-olds out there that we just don't have. But that was the vision, is that this was kind of an extended family, remembering what an unbelievable difference that we can make intervening for six weeks in the beginning of life. And so that, that was one thing that was... Um, uh, incredibly important to me, and we've laid that out. Um, I'm looking at Makai's picture right now in my in my office, and I have him to one, and we're going to get a two-year-old picture of him next. And you know, those are the things that really fuel our passion and fuel our fire. Uh, because if we take good care of these babies, and um, and they do well, everything else takes care of itself. And that's, well, I that's just the goal. I love how I just love how that mission is carried through in everything you do. I mean, I remember in the, at each ship station, um, each ship station was named after a different baby and there were different pictures there. And just knowing that as the employees are standing there and working and inspecting uh, the milk and, and, and inspecting all of the um, different processes of getting the milk um, through the company, I mean, you're, you're seeing that all day long, and so you can't help but have that be integrated, but you've gone a step further in that I know that you invite your NICU families and patients' families to come in and speak at um, your your company luncheons, and I just think that is profound, um, offering your employees to hear directly from families the impact that they're having. So I'm so glad that um, just from top down how you embrace the mission of um, ensuring the best nutrition for all our Nikki Kelly, babies. Kelly, something really important to bring up, and 
Um, top-down is one thing, but if it's top-down, it's not really effective. What it needs to be is everywhere. And so what you're talking about is in our shipping stations, that was something that the guys in the shipping area said, hey, we want babies here too. And they did that themselves. And when you see that happening for me, that's when you're going to be able to do amazing things because everybody's on the same song sheet and so proud of, um, of that team for putting that, that in place there. And even for you mentioning it, you know, I sometimes forget that people see that and it has impacts um, as well. But that was all generated by, by the team. And, and um, the people that are successful at Prolacta are people that are highly motivated by seeing babies go home with families and just realizing that the parents are full of joy, the grandparents are full of joy, the community is full of joy, and just all, all those blessings that, that are just part of our daily work. And when we remember that, it just, you're not working anymore. You're just you're you're contributing to the mission, and and that those are who we want working here, and those are the guys we have working here. And so I really appreciate that you give me that glimpse of someone who comes in and sees that and and, and remembers it, because you can't always see what you do, but others through others' eyes you can. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely, let's let's walk everybody through what happens um, at Prolacta. So the milk comes in and uh, it's in the cooler and it's being processed. And so I know um, some of the first things they look at is to make sure that it, the milk remained at the right temperature. I remember them checking that and checking that there were no tears or leaks or anything wrong uh, with that shipment. And then kind of walk us through um, I, and briefly, but if you could tell us a little bit of like what what does that cycle look like uh, from that new breast milk coming in to it being packaged and sent out to a hospital to be used by a baby? Sure. So um, Kelly mentioned that it arrives. The first thing that has to be done, and this can be anywhere between 50 and 150 coolers on a day. They come. The coolers generally uh, have. Uh, six, seven, eight liters of milk in them, and they're inspected. Are they all frozen? Has there been a phase change? And if there's any liquid, then they go to a different level of inspection. Uh, and it can be deemed uh, thawed where they're thrown away or deemed frozen. It's all about the temperature the milk's at. Once that's done, then each of those coolers is taken over to a station where they're weighed. And what the techs do is as they weigh the uh, milk, they're looking for the expression date, which is written on the bag. Now, if it's not written on the bag, the expression date they use is the baby's birthday. Um, so then that's all weighed, it's all checked in, and it's all uh, barcoded and controlled. And that then goes into a, a room, a classified cleaner room with techs fully geared up, the bags are broken down and it is thawed to uh, about two degrees. Then it's mixed and samples are taken. It's then poured into another container and frozen. The samples go into our milk room where they are tested for bio burden, they are tested for 
Um, all, all the different viruses I mentioned earlier, they're tested for nicotine, drugs of abuse, um, and they're genetically matched to their donor. Once all that testing comes back clean, then they're taken and up to about 200 donors are put into 2,700 liter tanks. That milk is thawed, then it goes and is separated into skim and cream. The skim portion is concentrated about 10 times, then the cream is added back, minerals are put in, and it's pasteurized and filled. This is uh, generally in our facility for around 30 days until it's into finished goods uh, packaging. We generally carry uh, 90 days worth of finished goods uh, because we never want to let a baby down. And then it's shipped to hospitals um, all over the U.S., um, in Austria, Germany, uh, Canada, and um, uh, working very hard on Australia and the Middle East, but those are still coming. That's fabulous. I just wish everyone could go through the tour. Maybe you'll need to produce the tour and, and have it available online so everyone could have the experience I could have. I know you can't give them the chill factor of going into the freezer like I got to experience, but uh, just being able to see it is, is just remarkable. I mean, it's so scientific and state-of-the-art and just incredible, all the different safety procedures. But I want to back up for a second because I have like heard... Can I interrupt for oh, one yes, second? Yes, go ahead. We have a tour on, on, on the website. There's a virtual tour that walks you through the facility, so we filmed that. So I at www.prolacta.com, okay. people can go online and see that. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't know that. I'm so glad to know. Well, we will definitely share that. And I, I know NICU parents have a lot going on, but they also have some downtime as they're pumping or sitting at the bedside, so maybe that would be something uh, that they would want to see. But I wanted to go back and address something here. Back in the day, my dad's a twin, and my grandmother was not able to feed both of them. And she actually had a wet nurse, someone who was hired, to help feed her twins. So back in the day, it didn't have maybe the same kind of, uh, ooh, gross factor that you might get reaction from today. And a lot of people were like, wait a minute, I don't want my baby to get somebody else's milk. I don't want donor milk. And so I think it's really important that we do address that if the milk is coming from a milk bank or coming from Prolacta, all of the safety procedures that have been followed um, to ensure that this milk is safe for their baby. And one of the things that really struck me, you, you said, you know, you're taking donated milk from multiple donors and you're putting them all together and you're mixing them all together and then you're adding things. And then, you know, some people might be, oh, my God, you're going to give milk to my baby that's coming from five different people. How can that be safe? How can that be better for them? But I think it's really important that we just address the fact that all the safety measures that are in place and how it's being pasteurized and how all of it's being tracked and how you have studied and researched and know what needs to be added from a protein and a calorie perspective. So there's just so many safety measures that go into this. And so, because we hear, we, I mean, it is a real thing that people buy milk, you know, 
offline, online. They're just going to, you know, various websites and buying milk for their babies. But we want to make sure that they understand that means they don't know who that milk is coming from. They don't know that it's being tested. They don't know if that parent, um, that pumping mother is taking a medication or smoking. She may have a disease that she's not even aware of. So certainly not trying to do any harm, but I just want parents to understand all the safety factors that go into producing this milk for our tiniest babies. Is there anything that you would add to that, Scott? Well, I, I think that it's important to recognize and realize that um, not every milk bank does the same thing and that uh, knowing the right questions to ask is, is important. Um, we've been accused of being uh, overkill on some of our safety measures, uh, but I will say unequivocally, buying milk over the internet from people you don't know is not a safe practice, and the FDA has said it's not a safe practice, Health Canada said it's not a safe practice, and uh, the European authorities have said the same thing. That literally, to me, is like needing a blood transfusion and buying it over the internet. So I would not recommend that. Um, and uh, if you do, there some pasteurization techniques that you could perhaps use, but uh, again, uh, no one recommends that as a safe practice. Well, can you talk to me a little bit about what questions should parents be asking their healthcare team when it pertains to the nutrition for their preemie? If I had a baby that was less than 1,250 grams, so that's 2.75 pounds, I guess 2 pounds 12 ounces, um, I would be inquiring about an exclusive human milk diet. Um, the data is very clear that that's the best possible care that uh, that child can have. Um, if I was at a hospital, um, I, I would uh, make sure they were um, at a minimum using donor milk because that makes a huge difference. And then I would uh, have mom pump as much as she can and not get frustrated. It's hard, and I'm a, I'm a veteran of this. I can still hear the pumping sounds uh, as my wife seemed like she pumped around the clock to get enough, enough milk for, for our kids. And, um, and so those are things that I would really, really be focused on. It always seems to me that any other place in the hospital, as a parent, if your child's in the ICU, there's, there's, you can't help them. Um, but in the NICU, you can advocate that they get human milk, you can pump like crazy, and, and you can be there for kangaroo care, and you can make meaningful differences in, the, in that child's health. And I would just encourage um, uh, parents to um, be thinking about those things and realizing that your care, you're, you're able to increase the level of care in those babies. Very well said. And we know just how emotionally, physically exhausting the NICU can be. And that's why Hand to Hold was founded, to provide that support to the parents throughout their NICU stay. And we certainly encourage kangaroo care and pumping. And we just think 
support from another peer, someone who really understands Mm -hmm. how hard it is to pump day after day and not be able to hold the baby and feed the baby and all the things that you thought were going to happen. You know, you, you just... You know, you imagine a perfect birth and that that baby is put to your chest and breastfeeding is the most natural thing in the world. And it's just, for us um, in the NICU, nothing is natural and nothing has gone as planned. But we we know that um, babies that have exclusive human milk diet, especially those um, under the 1,250 grams, um, we want to you know, provide every opportunity um, for them to overcome the challenges of their preterm birth. And and that number one thing is breast milk. So encouraging them on pumping, if they can't pump um, and they can't produce, asking those questions about uh, donor milk and exclusive human milk fortification if um, they meet those requirements. And so, so important for these families. I want to make sure that everyone knows that they can go to the ProLacto website. There's a great, um, you've got a great YouTube channel, uh, What to Expect in the NICU. And so is there anything about that series that you would specifically want to point out to families? Well, I'd just like to talk about why it came to pass. Um, again, I was blessed to have preemie twins, and although I knew a lot about care of preterm infants, I wasn't prepared for the emotion. And I'll, uh, my, my kids were born at um, uh, 4.25 and 4.26 a.m., and I remember I saw the doc at about 10 in the morning, and he started talking to me about the kids, and I started asking him questions about feeding. You know, when are you going to feed the babies? Um, what are they getting? And he said, oh, they're on TPN. They'll, they'll be fed tonight. I started calculating, and TPN is intravenous nutrition. I started calculating the amount of protein they got, and I was in such an emotional state. <laughs> I started talking and throwing all that knowledge out, and, and trying, to, trying to influence because you're in an out-of-control space. And I recognize in myself that knowledge doesn't matter. It's emotion and that you can't necessarily hear at that moment. And I kept thinking, could we at Prolacta do anything that maybe one mom at two in the morning, couldn't sleep because she couldn't remember what a word meant, and could we put something together that could maybe give comfort to those parents so they could get a little bit of sleep before they had to go back for their 15 hours at the NICU? And we started putting this what to expect and you're expecting, and it was, our, you know, it was our best effort, but I just came back like, parents need this. And... Um, and we tried to do that. And we put together maybe 30 or 35 of them. And they're just little simple things that maybe can help moms um, get back to sleep. I mean, that was really, um, really the goal. Uh, and, um, and so they're there. If you go on YouTube and you search what to expect in the NICU, maybe type Prolact in there. They'll come up. And they, they're just our attempt to, to, to help somebody if they've forgotten something. But we've partnered with somebody else, um, uh, Peekaboo ICU, and they've built an app 
And we were so happy with this app. And this is an app that's customized for moms and dads in the NICU. And it, what it lets them do is write notes, track weight, how their baby's doing, and it creates a communication portal for the families. Because when you come home from that NICU, you're tired. And you, you get home and then you have to make 20 phone calls and you have to talk about the same things. And you're not always in the emotional state to do that. Um, and I know, you know, I, I can remember, you know, when your baby doesn't breathe. Very common. Apnea is a common thing. It happens in the NICU. It is not a common thing for a parent. And so that emotional trauma is really heavy on you. And we think this app provides a communication device for those parents just to take a little bit of burden away from them. And um, all the good work of the Pretty Parent Alliance organizations is all about helping parents work through this process. And so that's how uh, um, what you expect in NICU came to pass. That's, that's how our partnership with Premier Parent Alliance comes to pass because the, the Premier parents that have experience in this place, they can make a difference for those going through it. Excellent. Well, we love the Peekaboo ICU app and recommend that to all of our families. So if you're listening today and uh, have your cell phone there, I, I highly recommend that you check out the Peekaboo ICU app for um, understanding more about all of your baby's needs while they're in the NICU. Scott, in a perfect world, what would you like to see in terms of nutrition for those very low birth weight preemies in the NICU? Kelly, I'd like to see every baby that's born less than 2 pounds, 12 ounces, to be fed exclusive human milk for that first 60 to 70 days of life. Uh, not only would that improve the baby's outcomes and reduce comorbidities, uh, it would uh, save the hospital's money. And if we did those things, then I think you'd see a lot healthier population. But in a perfect, perfect world, we would um, significantly reduce the number of these births. That would be the the long term goal, I know. And I, you know, I just keep thinking we're going to see some breakthroughs and have more understanding of why so many babies in the United States are born preterm. But until we do, there will continue to be organizations like Hand to Hold. Premier Parent Alliance um, out there to support all families through their NICU journey. Um, Scott, I didn't ask you permission to ask this, but if we have some medical professionals that are listening today, um, lactation specialists, neonatologists, nurses, if they wanted to come and take the same tour that I took, would you be open to having them come and see the facility? Uh, that is a wonderful question. We uh, continually invite people to come tour. Uh, we think it's the best way to showcase what we do and how we do it. So absolutely um, that healthcare providers are welcome. Uh, the other thing that happens, which is really interesting, is our manufacturing employees feel a tremendous sense of pride because they know that we're showing them off. They're the best in the world, and we bring people in every day to see just what a great job they do. So for us, 
uh, it's, it's double a benefit. And so absolutely, um, if you are a NICU dietitian, if you're a NICU nurse, you're a NICU nurse manager, um, I'm sure you know a Prolacta rep. If you don't, there's Ask Us at Prolacta, and we will certainly arrange to make that happen. Excellent. Well, I certainly enjoyed it, and it was so enlightening. I came back with pages and pages of notes and um, just a better understanding of the nutritional needs of our preemies. So I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing. I thank you for your time today. We thank you for Prolacta support of Hand to Hold in this podcast series. Um, you were some of our first supporters when I came to you and said, I, I really believe that a podcast would help us reach more NICU families, and you did not hesitate and came behind us and supported us in getting this started. So I'm so glad we finally had time to talk to you specifically about what Prolacta is doing to improve the health of all of our NICU babies and the lives of their families. So thank you, Scott, for all you do. We truly appreciate you. My pleasure, Kelly. Thank you so much for the opportunity. In order for NICU babies to thrive after discharge, they need smart, informed parents who understand their needs and are emotionally and physically capable of caring for a medically fragile child. Peer-to-peer support is an effective tool for helping parents navigate their NICU stay. Support from a caring and informed NICU graduate parent helps a new family feel more capable, confident, and ready to face the journey ahead. To request support, volunteer or donate, please visit our website at handtohold.org. This episode of Hand to Hold's NICU Now podcast is sponsored by Prolacta Bioscience, the pioneer in providing 100% donor milk-based nutrition for premature infants in the NICU. Only Prolacta offers a human milk fortifier made exclusively from 100% donor milk. For more information, visit prolacta.com.